Welcome to Life Study of the Bible, provided by Living Stream Ministry, featuring the ministry of Witness Lee. Witness Lee was captured by the Lord Jesus as a young man of 19 in his native China. He consecrated his life to preach the gospel, and later labored side by side with Watchman Nee for parts of three decades, before eventually bringing this ministry to the West in 1962. He spent the next 35 years speaking to Christians in North America and all over the world before going to be with the Lord in 1997. The life study of the Bible is his most significant contribution to the heritage of biblical exposition, and we're delighted to be able to bring you short portions of his spoken ministry today. If you have questions or comments, or would like to find other Christians in your area enjoying this same ministry, just email us, radio at lsm.org. Again, that's radio at lsm.org. Here's today's program. To outward observation, the kingdom of God today appears as a great and imposing tree. It also appears as a field with both wheat and tares sown together. And further, it's as a loaf composed of fine flour but leavened to make it light and airy. This picture of how God's kingdom would appear in the future was presented by Christ himself in Matthew chapter 13. Today, we have not just this prophecy or the doctrine of this kingdom, but we have the practical fulfillment of this word easily seen before our eyes. But the question we have to consider is, does this practical appearance of the kingdom also match what God's word reveals of his desire for the kingdom? We continue to explore this meaningful question for all of God's people. Francis Ball has joined us again today. Welcome back to the program, Francis, for Matthew chapter 13, once again visited on this program. Well, it's good to be in this chapter again, but uh, I anticipate you've raised some very, very crucial points in your introduction. In the last couple of programs, we saw six parables that the Lord Jesus spoke in Matthew 13 that described the kingdom of the heavens, particularly in its appearance. Let's review them briefly before we finish our look at this very dramatic chapter in the divine revelation. Well, these six parables you refer to, they could be summed up in six words. Wheat, tares, mustard, leaven, pearl, and treasure. You just put those six words, uh, they contain a lot of meaning. And if you've been in the previous programs, you you realize that uh, to be the wheat is really very positive. Right. To be the tares is very negative. Mm-hmm. To be the mustard, the mustard seed, which is little in size but grows up to a big tree by being leavened, this is uh, both positive for the mustard seed and the leaven is a negative influence. And then, of course, you have two very positive things in the pearl and the treasure, which I believe we'll see some more of today. These parables spoken of by the Lord are not just prophecies or doctrine. They are not just idealistic, but very practical. If we are to understand these parables, Chris, we must look to the Lord for some practical application of them. For example, as we look at today's Christendom, we see that the real Christians are the wheat, And the false Christians have been mixed, like tares, with the real ones. The little mustard seed, 
which is small but good for food, actually grows up against its own nature into a big tree. And that's what we see today. This also is practically seen today with a big facade of Christendom. Then the leaven that is put into the meal means that there is something real and nourishing, but leaven is added to make it easier to take, but spoils its purity. These parables show us the real practical situation today. Then, as I mentioned, we have two parables showing God's desire for the church to be a pearl and a treasure. Right. So these are very practical for today's situation. Well, Francis, we're going to pick up Witnessly, somewhat reviewing these earlier parables before we get particularly to the matter of the pearl and the treasure that you spoke of. And he's going to begin with a probing question. Uh, especially related to this parable of the wheat and the tares. And he'll start out today, who are you, the wheat or the tares? It's good that we know. Yes, I believe we're the wheat. Amen. We want to be the wheat. That's right. Let's join Witness Lee. Here in Matthew 13, in the first four parables, we have the wheat, we have the tare, we have the mustard, we have the leaven hid in the mill. <laughs> who are you today? Sure, you would say, you are the wheat. And you are the fine flour. Well, this is good. But if we are just this, I would not be satisfied. The Lord must have a church so pure, so solid, so genuine, just like the pearl, a genuine pearl. Is all the time so pure, so pretty, so solid. No mixture, no opaqueness. When the church is a pearl, who can put leaven into the pearl? And who can put that leaven into the precious stone? On the one hand, we must be like the pearl. And on the other hand, we have to be like the precious stone. Regardless how much water you pour out on the precious stone, no water can mess the precious stone up. It is so hard, so solid. The pearl is the same thing. The Lord didn't only use four parables, but six for, for Christendom. Another two for the pearl and the treasure. As far as our lives is concerned, we are the pearl. We are the pearl gates. And as far as our living is concerned, we are the treasure. And as far as the kingdom is concerned, the living is concerned, we are the precious stone wall. Standing here, built together to express something under the heavenly rule. This is the kingdom life, which is the living of the church under God's dominion. Now, I understand New Jerusalem much more. The twelve gates of Paris signifying the church at the new start at the entering in. And all the walls standing there with precious stones built up together. This is the kingdom, the expression, the living under the heaven rule. When you say, Lord Jesus, how I thank you. I have the divine life. This is the pearl. 
Oh Lord, grant me more grace that I may be poor in spirit and pure in heart, that I may be under Your ruling, that I may be. Delwaged by you, that I will not have the hidden sins, I will not have the hidden rags, and I will let you uproot all the thorns I lack, Lord, to live under the heavenly constitution. When you pray this way, right away, you are the treasure. On the one hand, we are the pearl; on the other hand, we are the treasure. Well, Francis, in these first four parables, there are some contrasts given, positive with negative. You referred to them in our introduction today. Uh, surely, as the genuine believers, we are the wheat and not the tares. Also, we would want to be this small, tender herb, the mustard plant, not this imposing great tree that is against the nature. But we're seeing in the fifth and sixth parables that it's not sufficient just to be uh, in these positive aspects of the first parables. According to the fifth and sixth parables, what is it for us to be in the nature of the treasure and the pearl as well? I think we've really seen here there is a need for something more than just being the wheat grown up and the mustard seed that is so uh, good for food. But uh, to get the kingdom he desires, we need something more. And that's brought out in the parable of the pearl and the treasure. As we see in this parable of the pearl, there's no way that a pearl could be leavened. If you have a a pearl, you can't put any kind of leaven into it. It is solid, clear, not opaque in any way. It's something pure and genuine. That's what God desires. The Lord must have a church that is like this. That's his plan. Then on the other hand, we must be like a precious stone. So as he brought out, concerning life, we are the pearl. That is... If you get into the picture of how a pearl is formed, you can see that we get life and we become a pearl. We wounded the Lord just like a piece of sand wounds an oyster, and it develops by the secretion of the life substance of the oyster. It develops into a pearl. Well, when we get born of God, when we get born again, we become a pearl in the making, and that secretion of life develops us into a pearl. And this is the kind of church the Lord is looking for. Then on the one hand, we must be not only a pearl, but also the precious stone, so that we are something that can be built up together with others. So you you have these two things in these two parables, life and building. Mm-hmm. And this is paramount in all the whole New Testament, life and building. So these two parables are very, very important. They're hidden from most people. But when the light comes and you see what their real purpose is and what God's purpose is, you realize to be likened to a pearl and to the treasure is very, very meaningful. It's really uh, the how the kingdom uh, progresses from the reality that we saw early in Matthew to the ultimate manifestation of the kingdom, which we'll see at the end of Matthew. And, of course, now we're in this middle portion during where the working out of this process is ongoing, and we have a, an appearance that doesn't match the inward reality, but the process that's going on underneath the appearance in the genuine believers is really bringing forth this marvelous expression of God's desire for the kingdom and the church. Yes, and also we can be the treasure for his expression. That really is the kingdom. 
And we are being built up as the wall of the new Jerusalem. That's the precious stones. Mm. Well, there's one more parable in this group, Francis, in chapter 13. Uh, And it begins at verse 47. This time it says, Again, the kingdom of the heavens is like a net cast into the sea and gathering from every species, which when it was filled, they brought onto the shore and sat down and collected the good into vessels. But the fowl they cast out. So it will be at the consummation of the age. The angels will go forth and separate the evil from the midst of the righteous. Uh, This is a fascinating uh, parable, very much not understood, I would say, and typically today we're going to focus on it in this section. Let's go then to Witness Lee. This last parable, the parable of the night, covers the people outside the church. In chapter 13, you do have one more parable related to the world to tell us the destiny of the world people. The parable of the net. The net here is not the gospel of Greece. The net here is exactly the eternal gospel. Declared in Revelation chapter 14, verses 6 and 7. At the end of this age, in the great tribulation time, because Antichrist would persecute the Jews and the Christians, God sent an angel to the air to declare an eternal gospel. And that eternal gospel is absolutely different from today's gospel of grace. The eternal gospel declared in Revelation 14 says, Fear God and worship God. It doesn't touch the matter of repentance. It doesn't need any faith. You just have to fear God. You just have to worship God. Why? Because by that time, Antichrist set up himself as God, demanding, forcing all people to worship him. So the eternal gospel says, worship God, the one who created the heaven, the earth, and all the sea. Don't worship this idol. He is not the creator, but God is the creator. You all have to worship him. Not only so, you have to fear God because this antichrist is leading you to kill, to persecute God's people. You have to know whom you kill are God's people. Someday God will come in to avenge. You have to fear God. So the eternal gospel only says you have to fear God, you have to worship God. The first six parables have covered all the aspects related to the church, living the world people to the last parable, the parable of the night. All the seven parables just close this age. A clear vision to us. How the law will clear up this age by dealing with the church according to the first six parables and by dealing with the world, the nations, by the last parable. By this, you can see you have all the aspects of the mysteries of the kingdom of the heavens. Well, Francis, I think that it's very possible this is a new thought to many people, that the net referred to in the seventh parable is not the gospel of grace, 
through which we have come into salvation. But this is a different gospel that's referred to and revealed in Revelation chapter 14, verses 6 and 7. Let's read those verses, and then let me ask you to explain how Matthew 13 and Revelation 14 cover the Lord's dealing with the worldly people who are outside the church at the end of this age. Okay, this is, this is Revelation 14, 6. And I saw another angel flying in mid-heaven, having an eternal gospel, to announce to those dwelling on the earth, even to every nation and tribe and tongue and people, saying with a loud voice, Fear God and give him glory, because the hour of his judgment has come, and worship him who has made heaven and earth and the sea and the springs of waters. This is different than the gospel of grace that we have been called to, isn't it, Francis? It is, and uh, I'm not only most people, but I also was really under a wrong concept about what this net is, this parable of the net, and also about the angel announcing the eternal gospel in Revelation that you quoted. But these two really fit together very, very significantly because uh, the gospel we preach now is the gospel of God's grace, the gospel of the forgiveness of sins, and uh, the way to receive eternal life and be one with God by receiving his life. But the eternal gospel that's announced by the angel, which will be announced at the time of the Great Tribulation, mm-hmm. and that, that period of time is not a question now of people believing in the Lord Jesus and get, getting saved, as we know it in the gospel of grace. But now it's a matter of not going along with the Antichrist, who will be persecuting all of God's people. He'll be persecuting the godly Jews, Mm -hmm. and he'll be persecuting the Christ-loving people. That's us. God's people will be persecuted by Antichrist very, very much. And when that happens, this cry comes out to all the people of the world. Now he's dealing not with believers and unbelievers. He's dealing with the nations of the world, with the worldly people, the Gentile people. And there he's saying, fear God. Right. Worship God. Mm -hmm. Don't worship God. Antichrist. He will be demanding worship, and he will be putting people to death that do not worship him. But this gospel is saying, fear God. Don't fear Antichrist. He is not God. But you fear the God who created the heaven and the earth and all things in it. And there are people who are classified here in Matthew as the sheep nations. And there are those who are the goat nations. The sheep nations are the ones who are treating the people of God good, properly, caring for them, sympathetic toward them, doing good to them. These people are just like the little brothers of Jesus. They are really the believers, and they are the the godly Jews, and God considers these as his little brothers. And whenever you do good to them, you do good to him. They will be judged on that criteria, how they treat God's people during the tribulation. And when they fear God and they're sympathetic, their heart is turned, they are called the sheep nations. Now, these will be the citizens of the kingdom. They won't be the kingdom itself, but they'll be the citizens of the kingdom. Now, that seems a strange thing, but that's exactly what it says, that they will be inherit eternal life which was given to them from the foundation of the earth. It doesn't say before the foundation of the earth, as it does for we who are the believers in Christ. But from the foundation of the earth, God has a people that still 
bear his likeness as his creation, but we will bear his likeness as one with him. Francis, let me add one other point to this uh, for the consideration of our listeners who uh, are seeing this perhaps for the first time. We're going to stay on this topic for a couple more minutes, and we're not going to go back to Witness League for this third section today. The time is short. I don't want to leave this point because it's quite critical. Of course, the promise to the overcoming believers is that we will rule and reign with him 4,000 years. That brings forth the question then, who are we to rule and reign? And I think that that helps perhaps connect the gospel, the eternal gospel announced by the angel, referred to in in Matthew 13 here as the parable of the net, with the, the fulfillment of God's promise to his overcoming believers to rule and reign with him. It says, of course, that we will be ruling over the nations in the coming kingdom with him, and that these ones who respond positively to this eternal gospel become the inhabitants of the earth under the ruling of Christ and those uh, of his overcoming believers with him. It's really marvelous, and God has, uh, has a people who will be ruling with him for eternity. But the overcomers will be ruling with him during the millennium. When the tribulation comes, the gospel is preached, and the response to that gospel determines whether they're the goat nations or the sheep nations. Mm-hmm. The goat nations, those are the ones who follow Antichrist to persecute God's people. And they'll be put with Antichrist into the lake of fire. And all the sheep, on the contrary, will enter into the kingdom prepared for them, as I said, from the foundation of the world. The ones who respond now will be the citizens of that kingdom, not the kings or the priests. In the millennial kingdom, we, the overcoming Christians, will be the kings. Right. The God-fearing Jews who will be preserved and saved will be the priests, and sheep will be the citizens. Mm. Therefore, by the dispensation of law... God will gain the Jews to be the priest. By the dispensation of grace, he will gain the believers to be the kings. And by the eternal gospel, he will gain the God-fearing Gentiles to be the citizens of the millennial kingdom. Isn't that marvelous? That is marvelous. It's tremendous. And I appreciate uh, that you brought that in out of Revelation to kind of fill in this picture. Otherwise, I was afraid we could leave uh, with a lot more questions than we got answers today. Uh, This is a big point. It's critical in a good understanding of the mysteries of the kingdom. And that's the point of uh, Matthew chapter 13, that all of God's people are dealt with in these parables. All of the people on earth are dealt with in these parables. The Jewish faithful ones, of course, there's redeemed believers who are in Christ, uh, destined to reign with him. And then the citizens, the inhabitants, the sheep here, uh, become the citizens of the earth during that millennial period of time. It's a clear picture where all of the pieces fit. And I think you, you have studied the Bible for many more years than I have, but uh, I've never seen another explanation that brings all of these pieces together. Usually you end up with one or two left over. It's like uh, when some of us amateurs try to work on our car. <laughs> Boy, that, that is really the case, but it's marvelous that we have in the ministry of Brother Witness Lee a man who sought it so diligently that he finally was able to put all these complicated pieces together like a jigsaw puzzle. He found where each piece went. Probably uh, uh, for those who love these matters of the kingdom, uh, the coming conclusion to this age, the reign of Antichrist, the overcoming, the war at Armageddon, all of these things, 
this is an interesting, marvelous, and important topic for all of God's people. If you fit in that category, would you please take our recommendation to contact us for these printed messages? Uh, we've just touched some difficult, complicated matters in very brief fashion today, and uh, they really deserve your further study and investigation on your own. Also, we'd love your comments or questions. If you'd like to discuss any of these things, please give us a call. Our toll-free number for all of these things and to find out more about this ministry and the materials available is 1-888-LIFE-STUDY. That's 888-543-3788. Or you can write to us, Living Stream Ministry, Post Office Box 2121, Anaheim, California, 92814. Or send email to radio at lsm.org. Please join us again as we continue on with these very profound, significant matters from the Gospel of Matthew. For Francis Ball today, I'm Chris Wilde. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you for listening to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. Witness Lee spent seven decades in the 20th century speaking Christ, first in Asia and then North America, eventually all over the world. The culmination of those 70 years of ministry was his Life Study of the Bible, an exhaustive exposition of the entire scriptures. This unique commentary focuses on how Christ can be life to man in an experiential and practical way. These programs encapsulate Witnessly's speaking in just 26 minutes. But to get the complete riches, visit lifestudy.com. From there, you can read all of the Life Study messages in their entirety or download any of our more than 1,700 audio programs at no cost. Again, that website is lifestudy.com. Thanks for listening.